RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. The hospital authority chief expresses concern about an exodus of key medical staff. The police commissioner says the force is investigating whether or not the Civil Human Rights Front has violated the national security law. But a political commentator questions how that could be possible when the government has said the law is not retroactive. The chairman of the hospital authority says he's worried about an increasing loss of public sector medical staff due to emigration. Damon Pang has the story. Henry Fan says in an interview that from July 2020 to June this year, the turnover rate of doctors at the hospital authority was 4.6%. It was even higher for nurses at 6.5%. And Mr Fan says the figures have been rising since. He pointed out that when staff move out of Hong Kong, they have to make arrangements with the authority. That's how the HA found out that emigration was behind the increase in staff losses. Mr Fan also said some public doctors moved to the private sector because some in private practice have left the territory. The HA chairman says one way to stop the bleeding is to allow permanent Hong Kong residents who graduated from a list of some 100 overseas medical schools to work in public hospitals. He also said he's open to allowing non-permanent residents to work in the public medical system as long as the quality of service is not affected and all local medical graduates are already employed. The president of the Hong Kong Public Doctors Association, Tony Ling, said changes in Hong Kong's social and political environment, such as the introduction of the sweeping national security law, had prompted many medical professionals to move elsewhere. He said the situation adds to the already burdened public health care system. A lot of the doctors leaving are specialists and or frontline doctors. Because, and especially for now, the system as a public um, or in the hospital authority is very tight, uh, it's always uh, resources that is um, just tiptoeing. We're just setting on the equilibrium that is at risk of falling at any time. Police Commissioner Raymond Hsu says mass rallies organised by the Civil Human Rights Front in recent years are suspected of violating the national security law. The group is reportedly on the verge of disbanding due to mounting pressure from pro-Beijing figures, state media and the authorities. Here's Damon Pang again. The Civil Human Rights Front hasn't held any protests since the national security law was implemented on June the 30th last year and the authorities say the legislation is not retroactive. But state mouthpiece Ta Kong Pao quotes the police chief as saying the force will investigate whether the group has breached the security law. In an interview with the pro-Beijing paper, Raymond Sue says the front organized a series of mass rallies in recent years and some of them are suspected of violating the law. The police are always collecting evidence and can take action against unlawful groups at any time, he says, adding that even though well-known figures from the front are already behind bars, police could still investigate other key members and charge them. Back in April, the force accused the group of breaching the society's ordinance and demanded information from it on its finances and activities. The front refused to give the force the information it wanted and questioned why the police and the government spent years cooperating with the group if it wasn't even legal. A political scholar says it's not surprising the Civil Human Rights Front could disband, given it hasn't been able to organise its annual July the 1st protest march in recent years. Last year's rally was banned due to the pandemic and the group didn't even seek permission this year. Several groups, such as the Democratic and the Civic Parties, have withdrawn from the umbrella organisation, citing political concerns. Mang Gop from the Chinese University says the front has been under a lot of pressure. I think uh, it is not 
totally unexpected because I think uh, for the last year it hasn't been able to organize any kind of um, major activities and it has been under a lot of attack. Uh, so I think uh, in the current uh, atmosphere, actually, uh, it is not totally unexpected that it will choose to disband itself. The police chief said in his interview some of the front's previous mass rallies may have violated the security law. But political commentator Chung Kim Wa questioned how this was possible, given that the government had said the security legislation was not retroactive. We have been aware that after the enforcement of national security law, no single uh, protest has been organized by that organization. Uh, according to the, to the original statement, the national security law should, should only target on future behavior, but not on what people have done in the past. This is the first question. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Shoppers have been urged to step up precautionary measures after the COVID-19 virus was found on fish samples at a stall in Tokwawan Market. Further investigation revealed the fish were imported from Indonesia and had also been distributed to wholesale markets in Cheongsawan and Aberdeen, as well as five other retailers. To play safe, authorities say those who had been in contact with the problematic products will either be tested or taken into quarantine. Respiratory disease specialist Leung Chi Chu said he believes the contamination happened before the fish reached Hong Kong. But he said people need not be too worried as long as they stay vigilant. For the usual customer, the risk should be remote, but we should still take the lesser precaution to take care of our hand hygiene. And also, we should separate this cold-sorted food from other food items during the processing. And after preparing for the relevant food item, we should clean our hands and also clean those surfaces that have been in contact with these contaminated items. The government has raised its GDP forecast for 2021 to at least 5.5% to 6.5%. That's up from the range of 3.5% to 5.5% announced in May. The government economist Andrew Al says the upward revision was largely boosted by robust growth in the first half of this year and the introduction of consumption vouchers. Domestically, if the local epidemic remains well contained, the improving labour market conditions coupled with the boosting effect of the consumption voucher scheme will help stimulate consumption sentiment further and lend support to consumption-related sectors in the second half of this year. Yet it is worth looking that even if economic growth for this year turns out to be close to the upper end of the revised range forecast, the level of GDP for this year will still be about 2% lower than that in 2018 before the recession. The second quarter GDP figure has also been revised upwards from 7.5% to 7.6% year on year, while the headline inflation outlook remains at 1% for the whole of this year. Five cities in central Hubei province have declared red alerts after torrential rain caused destructive flooding, leading to at least 21 deaths and forcing the evacuation of nearly 6,000 people. Violet Wong has details. State media says thousands of houses and shops have suffered flood damage, while power, transportation and communication has been disrupted. The Ministry of Emergency Management says rescue crews have been dispatched to the worst affected areas, including the cities of Shizhou, Xiangyang and Xiaogan. Hubei's Emergency Management Bureau estimates total losses will exceed 100 million yuan. 
The China News Service says that as many as 774 reservoirs in the province have exceeded their flood warning levels, and the China Meteorological Administration is warning that heavy rainstorms are likely to continue until next week. The mainland frequently experiences flooding the summer months, but the authorities are warning that extreme weather is being even more common due to climate change. Last month. Record rainfalls caused floods that killed more than 300 people in Henan. China has rejected the World Health Organization's calls for a renewed probe into the origins of COVID-19. Beijing says it supports scientific over political efforts to find out how the virus started. A joint report by a WHO team of international experts and Chinese scientists in January failed to conclude how the virus began. Priscilla Ng has more details. Vice Foreign Minister Ma Zhoushu told reporters that Beijing opposes political tracing and abandoning a joint report from January. The joint report said the most probable origin of the virus was that it jumped from bats to humans via an intermediary animal. A leak from Wuhan's virology labs was extremely unlikely. This investigation had been enough, Mr. Ma said, and calls for further data were not motivated by genuine scientific inquiry. He went on to say that the report's conclusions and recommendations were recognized by the international community and the scientific community, but pressure has been mounting on China to consider a fresh probe. WHO Chief Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus has said that the initial probe into Wuhan's virology labs hadn't gone far enough. President Joe Biden ordered the U.S. intelligence community to conduct a separate investigation in May into the origins of the virus. A WHO call last month for their investigation's second stage to include audits of the Wuhan labs also drew an angry rebuke from Beijing. Vice Health Minister Zheng Yixin said the plan showed disrespect for common sense and arrogance towards science. Australia's Foreign Minister Maurice Payne says the country is seriously concerned about the detention and welfare of an Australian journalist who's been held in Beijing for one year. Cheng Lai had worked as a TV anchor for mainland state media for almost a decade, but in February it was revealed she'd been arrested on suspicion of illegally supplying state secrets overseas. Natalie Ching has details. Cheng Lai moved to Australia as a child, but she returned to the country of her birth and joined state broadcaster CGTN in 2012. Miss Cheng, who worked as a business news anchor, has been in detention since August 2020. Australian Foreign Minister Maris Payne said in a statement that her government is particularly concerned that one year on there remains a lack of transparency about the reasons for Miss Cheng's detention. The minister added that Canberra expects basic standard of justice and humane treatment that meets international norms. Friends and former colleagues, including former CGTN staff, are calling for her immediate release. In an open letter, they voiced grave concerns for her health, safety, and care during her ongoing detention. China's foreign ministry said in February, where it was revealed she had been arrested for allegedly supplying state secrets overseas, that all of Ms. Chang's rights were being fully guaranteed. The Taliban in Afghanistan say they've detained the veteran militia leader Ismail Khan. If confirmed, it would mark a big setback for the government in Kabul, which relies on regional strongmen to combat the militants. The Taliban now control a third of all regional capitals, among them Afghanistan's second city Kandahar, as they continue to close in on the capital Kabul. Here's the BBC's Anbar Hassan Etirajan. 
The capture of Kandahar gives a big boost to their claim to power, back to power in Afghanistan, and that's why they think, you know, they, they now they're talking with more confidence after capturing the second and third biggest city, Herat, in a matter of 12 hours. So they are really knocking at the doors of Kabul. So if they capture all the, you know, the northern cities non dominated by Taliban, southern and western, they are dominated by the Taliban. So it's a matter of time before they focus and, you know, squeeze the Kabul city itself. International aid agencies are now warning of a humanitarian catastrophe in Afghanistan. The UN Refugee Agency says a quarter of a million people have been displaced by the fighting, most of them women and children. Britain's former International Development Secretary Rory Stewart has lived and worked in Afghanistan. Speaking to the BBC, he said there was a clear danger of a long civil war, reminiscent of the conflict in Syria. We're going to have to work with neighbouring countries to deal with millions of refugees. And we're going to have to get an international coalition together to make sure that Britain, United States and other European partners take those refugees into their own countries. This is one of the great humanitarian disasters. We've essentially created another Syria overnight. Sports news now. The opening weekend of the Premier League season is finally here. And for a preview of the action to come, here's the BBC's John Bennett. The Premier League is back and so are the fans. For the first time since March 2020, the grounds will be full. So the atmosphere on this opening weekend should be electric. Champions Manchester City get their title defence underway at Tottenham, with the build-up dominated by transfer rumours surrounding Harry Kane. The England captain wants to leave Tottenham and Man City are interested in signing him, which adds an extra edge to the fixture. Meanwhile, after missing most of last season with a serious knee injury, Liverpool's Virgil van Dijk is fit again for their opening match of the season against newly promoted Norwich. European champions Chelsea take on a Crystal Palace side who have a new manager, the Arsenal legend Patrick Vieira. And after adding two big names, Jadon Sancho and Rafael Varane, to their squad this summer, Manchester United start their campaign against their old rivals Leeds United, the team they beat 6-2 at Old Trafford in a thrilling match last season. Elsewhere, ex-Liverpool boss Rafael Benitez joining Everton was by far the most controversial new managerial appointment of the Premier League close season. He has a chance to start winning over the Everton fans at home to Southampton who sold their star striker Danny Ings to Aston Villa earlier this month. And in cricket, India have been dismissed for 364 in their first innings on the second day of the second test against England at Lords. James Anderson, England's all-time leading test wicket-taker, took 5 for 62 in 29 overs. The five-match series is level at nil-nil following last week's rainmard draw in the first test at Trent Bridge in Nottingham. A reminder of our top stories tonight, the hospital authority chief expresses concern about an exodus of key medical staff. The police commissioner says the force is investigating whether or not the Civil Human Rights Front has violated the national security law, but a political commentator questions how that could be possible when the government has said the law is not retroactive. The news from RTHK.
second hour on this Friday night here in Hong Kong, wherever you are by the way you know you're always welcome, it's Radio Peter Gmail if you want to say hi or even ask for a track I'd like to say hello to Payam and uh, Alex, Davey, also Deneen hopefully all tuned in and the uh, song from the Carpenters one of Deneen's favourite albums apparently now and then we referred to it a couple of times over the week and this is a remix of their hit this masquerade. Are we really happy with this lonely game we play? Looking for the right words to say. Searching but not finding understanding. Oh 